gentleness embodied as a woman is feminine. Mm -hmm. Gentleness embodied as a man is masculine. The fruit of the spirit embodied in a male or female body is we pursue Christ and Christ likeness. And as a byproduct, we become the men and women we're supposed to be. It's a little bit like saying, does the Bible have the answer to happiness? Yes. Should we pursue happiness? No, we should pursue Mm -hmm. Christ likeness and happiness is a byproduct. Welcome to the Know Why podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Hey, Know Why listeners. Here's part two of our interview with Dr. Sandra Glahn. So much cool church history that I feel so like much. we're not exposed to. And um, for young women listening, you know, there there are so many just amazing examples of brave, brave and courageous women so many. that we can yes. look up to, um, yeah. heroines of the faith. And so I want, I think we'll talk about maybe a few more here in a minute, but going back to Jesus specifically, um, you know, I... We talked about this a few episodes ago, but um, a lot, I think it's over half of Gen Z based on a study that we recently looked at, say that they're actually really interested in Jesus and open to learning more about him. And, you know, there's this positive perception of Jesus generally, but when you look at the whole Bible, people get more critical or, you know, doubtful because there's some kind of weird passages to us. And so when it comes to women, did Jesus example align with the rest of scripture or did it stick out as something inconsistent with maybe like the God of the Old Testament? That is is a great question. So I think a couple things come to bear here. First of all, as you've mentioned sort of or hinted at in through our Western eyes and our 21st century eyes, there are things that we can't possibly understand about the culture. And I'll give you an example of an Old Testament law where if a woman is being accused by her husband of unfaithfulness, he has to bring her in before the judge. She has to basically drink dirty water. And if she shrivels up, she's guilty. You're like, what? You know, Why are we attacking women? Mm-hmm. But you take that same story to the part of the developing world where women have no voice. And we've been fascinated to hear them go, oh, she has recourse. If her husband accuses her, she he has to go private. I mean, mm-hmm. he has to go public with it. Mm-hmm. And he has to, and then if he's wrong, he can never divorce her. He has to support her all. He might put her in another hut, but he has to support her, which is a bump up from the cultural culture around. So again, we're like, if a woman is falsely accused, she has to go before guys like that's so foreign to our world that we mm-hmm. can't begin to see that this is this is a movement toward do unto others. Mm -hmm. This is a movement toward a high view of women. So with that in mind, it helps to go back and, um, and partner with people in the Middle East. It helps to partner with people in the the developing world whose world is much closer to the world of the earlier Christians. And I think one of the problems here has been, we don't know what we're looking at. We don't, Mm -hmm. we don't know how to read it and that's okay. We just need community Mm -hmm. rather than to just, you know, just only read it through our own eyes. So that's part, part of it is we don't understand what we're looking at, but part of it is also that translation committees have tended to be all male 
And if you look at Genesis, you see this pattern of a need for men and women partnering. Uh, it's not good for man to be alone. And that's not just a marriage passage, Mm -hmm. but it's not good for a woman to be alone either. Like we need each other. And I was really interested in a report that came out sort of after the Bernie Madoff financial scandal, because that wasn't sort of an all male board that was corrupt. So somebody said, well, what if it had been an all female board? So they started investigating and no surprise, all female boards were as corrupt as all male boards. But what was interesting was boards with men and women partnering. They made more ethical decisions. Mm, Something wow. about that partnership was good for them. We don't have to dissect what. Mm-hmm. We, it's a mystery probably. But that's part of the challenge. If you only have male eyes on the text, then you might miss things. Like you come to the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She's got a menstrual issue. Mm-hmm. And some have translated that as a hemorrhage. Well, You can't hemorrhage for 12 years. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a certain kind of bleeding. And it would help that somebody who's experienced that could go, you know, no, that's not the volume we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Something that simple could help us with our translation. So we are getting more women on translation committees, but uh, it's it's been slow. Yeah. So on that, one of the things I wanted to ask as well is, um, are there more women in scripture maybe than we tend to see initially hidden, so to speak, because of the translation issue. There are, yeah. So here's an example. In one of the Psalms, it says, the Lord gave the word, great was the company that published it. And it's a female ending. It's Mm. it's preacheresses (laughs) that publish it. Or we might uh, not even ever hear that five times in the Old Testament is a story of Zelephahad and his five daughters. And basically they're they're supposed to marry within the family and there are no guys. So they're going to end up with no land. And they go to Moses and say, hey, I don't think that's fair. Mm-hmm. And Moses is like, well, let me go talk to God. And God says, yeah, it's not fair. <laughs> Here's yeah. what you should do. Why is that story told five times? But have you ever heard it preached? I, I have never heard it preached. Mm. So sometimes, even if it doesn't take a lot of real estate in the Bible, the fact that it's repeated in so many places, we should be looking at going, this was really important somewhere. Mm. Right. The fact that Job is called righteous because he gave his daughters an inheritance. Huh. Mm. He would have been going against culture to socioeconomically give his daughters some freedom. Mm-hmm. So there are these gems that we sometimes miss. Here's one more. Paul is on Mars Hill. He's preached and he speaks men of Athens. And at the end, it says Damaris believes. Damaris is a female. So maybe we shouldn't translate that as men of Athens or we need a footnote that says that doesn't mean he's necessarily only talking to males. Mm -hmm. I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of people. But we translated men yeah. And sometimes we can mentally do the gymnastics, but mm-hmm. I didn't actually realize that was the word people until the last five years. Wow. And I know Greek. I'm a seminary professor mm-hmm. and I know how to do the, like flip the mail to everybody and still thought Jesus was only calling men. Wow. That just the the power of language and, yeah. you know, um, the words that he chose to use Correct. and making sure that we're actually understanding those. Yeah. So, so fascinating. And, um, okay, so more about just the Bible in general and maybe um, wading into a little bit of current controversy or I'll just say ongoing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, does the Bible prescribe particular gender roles? Yeah, great question. What the Bible prescribes is some sex-specific commands. And this is where we mess up, I think, by extrapolating, by saying that means something about all 
people of that gender. Here's an example. He tells, uh, in, in this section before saying uh, he's not allowing a woman to teach, you mm-hmm. know, highly controversial, before that, he says, I want the men to basically stop being angry and raise holy hands. But I have never heard a sermon that said men by nature are angrier than women, mm. nor should they. Yeah. Jesus is just, I'm sorry, Paul is addressing a local situation. And interestingly enough, he wants them to raise holy hands. And if you're in a non-charismatic context, <laughs> you're for sure saying that was a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. But a few verses later, um, he is saying, "I it's not his practice for women to, and the word is teach and then authentine, which is just only ever used once in the New Testament. There's a whole whole thing about what does that even mean? It's not the usual word for authority. And so a question becomes, is that local? Mm -hmm. And do we extrapolate something about his approach to mission in that? Or is that for all women for all time? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we have failed to do is look at the whole Bible Mm -hmm. and say, well, if you're going to say that's for all time, including from Genesis, why so many women prophets? Right. Miriam is a prophet. That's why we have so many Marys in the New Testament. Everybody's naming their daughter. After Miriam, it's the same name. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Huldah, uh, very undertaught. But at the time of King Josiah, they haven't had the word of the Lord for a long time, and they find it in the temple. And like, what are we going to do? And Jeremiah is in Jerusalem at the time, but they send to Huldah, who's a female. And she says, thus saith the Lord. Here's, mm-hmm. here's the word. So, you know, and again, Pentecost, women prophesying. Uh, and in the end, women being priests. So I think... It's important to see it all, mm-hmm. uh, to look at Romans 16, where Paul's giving all these greetings that include men and women. We have to include that when we're talking about Paul right. and his teachings. Mm-hmm. So we, we got to be careful about cherry picking. Right. Yeah. Such a such a wise reminder. Um, so similar, you know, kind of on that note, Christians know we are supposed to emulate Christ. Yes. But since men and women are different, does yes. that mean we have to emulate him in oh, different yeah, ways or question. different aspects yeah. of him? So here, here is where I think we need a little course correction in the church. I think it's beautiful that we embrace being a woman and embrace being a man. That is mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. It's a God-given thing. Where we miss the boat is then we start listing stereotypes like men have courage and women are gentle, which Gentles of fruit of the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And we start getting our eyes off of Christ likeness as the goal and get our eyes on how do I act like a woman or a man? Mm, yeah. We need to refocus and go, gentleness embodied as a woman is feminine. Mm-hmm. Gentleness embodied as a man is masculine. Yeah. The fruit of the spirit embodied in a male or female body is we pursue Christ and Christ likeness. And as a byproduct, we become the men and women we're supposed to be. It's a little bit like saying, does the Bible have the answer to happiness? Yes. Should we pursue happiness? No, we should pursue mm. Christ's likeness and happiness is a byproduct. Right. Does the Bible talk about men and women does and celebrate it? Yes. Should we have to try to figure out exactly what stereotypes those are? No. Otherwise, if we do that and we look at scripture, we have Jesus cooking fish. We have the deacons serving the widows in Acts 16. Mm -hmm. We have one of the patriarchs cooking red stew. And before long, you have men are supposed to cook, Mm -hmm. right? Like you you can use the Bible that way, but it's it's not a really good approach to literature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've given us so much to think about. Um, Just... I've learned a lot in our conversation already, but is there anything else that you'd like to add or that you want people to know or think about when they're thinking about Jesus and his treatment of 
women and men. Yeah, women and men. Jesus sees you, men and women alike. Uh, Both men and women have been injured by stereotypes of gender. Mm. Uh, I meet artists all the time who had parents who wanted them to be football players. Right. Or scientists whose parents wanted them to be basketball players. And so anything that, you know, somebody wanted you to be, and that's just not the way that your gifts turned out, can be injurious. And there has been misogyny in the church. We're seeing it in the abuses. I think a key solution to that is men and women partnering again. Um, But bottom line on Jesus, Jesus sees you. Jesus particularly has a heart for the marginalized, and that can be women, but it can be men. It can be people of different ethnicities. It can be immigrants. It can be anybody who is voiceless. Mm. And it's also the job of those of us like you who have a voice to use it as you are using it. To everybody asking, what are my giftings? What's my little corner of the world? Jesus is not calling us to fame. Mm -hmm. He is calling us to faithfulness. Yeah, so good. And I wanted to just also um, say that you've highlighted a few times just the importance of community, um, men and women working together, but also when we read scripture, making sure that we are in community or considering the perspectives of people from different cultures than us and different backgrounds and understandings. And that has been a recurring theme Mm. on this podcast Mm. in so many ways, Um, you know, just mental health, happiness, like physical healthiness, people need each other. And I love that even in this conversation that is being highlighted again. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to point that out for our listeners, like, you know, finding a strong community is so, so critical. So so important. Um, Any resources that you recommend for, I know you have some books um, for anybody who wants to dive in and learn more. Yeah, for sure. Well, a couple books that that I've written and then a couple other sources I'll recommend. So uh, there's a Bible study I did called Latte with Luke that looks at the marginalized, which is going to include women, but that's just because that's part of Jesus's uh, MO, his mm-hmm. modus operandi. Right. Uh, so Latte with Luke is a Bible study. So is um, Earl Gray with Ephesians. So that's going to look at some of those submission passages in context. Vindicating the Vixens, which is a compilation of men, women, we had Arab scholar, Australian, American, uh, black, white, uh, complementarian, egalitarian, all wow. re-looking at what are some of the places like the woman at the well where we need to back up and look through other eyes at some of these stories that we have marginalized women. Uh, Hagar comes to mind. You know, mm-hmm. she's Egyptian. An Arab scholar looks at the promises that are given to her if she will go back to her abusive, honestly, uh, mistress, Sarah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. great promises made to her children that they will be free stallions. Uh, we tend to read Wild Donkey as disparaging, but what is Jesus riding on his coronation day? In the Arab wow. world, that is a Mercedes Benz. Wow. So, yeah. So his eyes looking at that, that story mm-hmm. were just wonderful. So that's Vindicating the Vixens and 100% of the profits on that one go to the International Justice Mission. So okay, uh, I was a general editor, but I'm not making an income on that one. That one is scholars that got together and said, what can we do with our scholarship to help the marginalized? And then finally, the Visual Museum at visualmuseum.gallery is a joint project between Dr. Lynn Kohick down at Houston Christian, George Kalantis at Wheaton, and me. 
And we have created a visual place online where some of these stories of women in history that are told in stained glass, there's told in the statues, there's told in the fifth century mosaics of Ravenna, for example, women like Thecla and uh, names that are not known to your typical mm-hmm. Protestant in America today that have been known to the church for a thousand years, rediscovering some of those stories, finding uh, lots of stained glass with seventh century women holding a shepherd's staff. The she- shepherd as a woman, Bo Peep, this is not male exclusive through history. Mm-hmm. I'm not a feminazi talking here. This mm-hmm. is how the church has understood yeah. that shepherd is a male and a female thing. Uh, and so looking at what does the art tell us about what people yeah. did in the past? And again, sort of recovering what we didn't, we once knew as Christians, but have lost. Wow, that that is so cool. I can't wait to look at that. Um, and we will link all of these at knowwhypodcast.com. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Klon, for your insight and for having this important conversation with us today. And thank you for listening to the Know Why Podcast.